This is a Crow's Nest podcast. And welcome back to Titanic Talkline. I am Alexia, and today I have Jaden Salah with me, who I am really excited to talk to. Hello, how are you today? Well, I'm good today. I'm creative, so I'm good. <laughs> finally, hello. Yeah, I get that. Once you like finally manage to get yourself over one of those creative artist blocks or something, it's like it's it's a good feeling. Yes, definitely. Ugh. So I'm going to ask you my the standard question, which is what I normally open with everyone on, which is, what is your Titanic story? Because everyone's is, everyone's is so different. My Titanic story. Wow. Okay. So I remember clearly seeing the poster for the first time in the newspaper. Uh-huh. And back in the day, newspapers were a thing. You know, there were daily <laughs> newspapers, but now everybody just reads. But my dad would get the newspaper every day. And we had the daily, we had the weekly, we had the blah, blah, blah. So I remember clearly seeing the poster and getting obsessed over it. And yeah. then overnight, I'm in school. Okay, I went to a Catholic school and it was an all-girls school. And... <laughs> All the girls, okay, hello, hello, buddy, I knew it, birds of a feather. And all the girls are going crazy about this movie, which I haven't seen. So I go back and I tell my sister and we kind of like nag our dad, like, dad, we got to see this movie, got to get as a VCR or something. Everybody's just talking about like, wow, there is this full cut, uncut version. There's this full like five hour version. It's crazy. There are rumors out there and girls are so obsessed with it and they're talking about Leo DiCaprio as if he's, you know, like God. My sister got obsessed with, you know, like Kate Winslet on the other side, and she was the only, I think, girl who was like, Yeah, but Kate is good too. But yeah. still, I remember clearly nagging that for the VCR, and he got it to us. I think it was like without subtitles when we were so young, and even watching it in English back at the time was wild because we're Egyptians yeah. and first language is Arabic. And then I remember seeing it on the big screen and talking about it. So for me, the first definitive moment is the newspaper. And then all hell break loose, and I became obsessed. <laughs> That's fun, though. I, I like encountering people who really remember the first instance. Because I, I, I know I saw the movie in theaters, but I don't have a great recollection of a bunch of it. My first personal memory of seeing Titanic was one of the most like upsetting scenes for me personally was... Um, it just stuck out to me in the movie theater. I remember even in the movie theater, I just kind of like froze and it was a completely submerged room. And you see like three seconds of a woman's body floating. Yeah. And I was just like, what is happening on this screen? Damn. And that is what I remember the most from the first time I saw that movie. Damn. Wow. See, this is yeah. wild. I to- yeah. I kind of like totally remember too. Like my dad was so attached to the captain. <laughs> That he, yeah. my dad was so upset in the scene where the captain just locks himself in the cabinet and water yeah. just pours. My dad was so devastated, like he didn't even care. Like dead DiCaprio, and I'm crying, and he's like, "Man, I feel bad for the captain." So yeah. I, totally, I can totally relate to that. He makes a good point, though, because I will say that from what I understand, from all accounts, historical accounts, Captain Smith was pretty pretty involved with things up until they didn't see him again. Oh. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there come, unfortunately, there came a point where, you know, testimony says, you know, so and so was doing something. And then 
uh, the last time they saw him. If I'm remembering right, a lot of accounts say the last time that both Thomas Andrews and Captain Smith were seen was when they were diving into the water off of the bridge. Ooh, whoa. That's wild. That's what I have, have heard. So it just goes to show you that it's really interesting how fact and fiction, you being a writer, I'm sure, it's really interesting to see how... I think with something like Titanic's a great example because in in the movie Titanic, all of the historical characters are, are background characters, so you get introduced to a lot of them. But Definitely. yeah, and they but they also take a lot of interesting creative liberties. Like, like no one knows exactly for sure what Captain Smith was doing in his final moments because no one lived to tell the tale. Yeah, um, we only know what we know, but it means that it's kind of quote unquote easy to be able to take advantage and and portray this hard beaten thoroughly defeated man but who's to know if that's how it it, i don't know i I think it's kind of a little unfair to him maybe where it's like i don't know if he really was active and trying to do stuff in the end then kind of portraying him as this zombie is a little uh, discredited yeah exactly i know what you mean i know what you mean like i don't know what would be the route i would have taken had i written it i mean like for me i would have imagined him in as a perception in my mind but i can still see your point you know like i would have made him and portrayed him in a different light had i made the research but maybe i liked it that way it's more you know like an epic moment blah 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 sort of but it's still unfair to the man so i know what you mean there's a lot of there was a lot of um survivors and surviving um family members of the survivors who had issue with the particular portrayal of their relative their descendant in the movie and it, it's, it's it's interesting to go back and read it because when i personally me personally this is just me when i watch the movie i don't make any moral judgments on them because i'm aware these are fictional versions of these people like i don't know for sure like no one knows exactly what these people did or didn't do yeah. so i'm pretty graceful when i watch it but i can see where some people watch it and think that's fact this is the thing. And I think a lot of this too reminded me of the series Dammer where a lot of the survivor, the, the surviving family members were like, they were traumatized with what was portrayed and stuff like that, even if mm-hmm. it was realistic or even if the victims were given voice and stuff, but still I couldn't put myself in someone's shoes. Like maybe now I can be like, okay, I'm watching a movie detached, blah, blah, blah. But maybe if I was in someone else's shoes, I would have been the mad crazy or even the enraged person tweeting and writing about it. So yeah, I totally... I don't always see that. I guess it, it depends on how you're replayed. Like, yeah. if you're replayed pretty true to yourself, and for example, let's just say, you know, if a, if a person exists and we make a movie out of their life and they were like an abusive alcoholic and we make a movie that shows them as an abusive alcoholic, they might be unhappy with their portrayal because they're like, well, it's not flattering. And we'd be like, well, it's true. Yeah. And there's a bit of a, of a fine line between it's true and it's like flattering and it's unflattering and again it's like it's just interesting when people choose to play fiction with with real with historical characters and at the same time i feel like there is this thin line like i sometimes i would have thoughts like what if someone wanted to make like what if one of my axes wanted to make a movie about me okay and i would just think like wow this one would portray me as this, you know, like manic pixie girl. Another would portray me as this crazy woman, like this obsessed woman, this crazy woman. And I would think like, wow, maybe I would have hated this version, but this was the version that this person saw at the time. So for me, I think I just, 
now maybe with age because i'm in my 30s it's a different viewpoint like maybe in the past i would have been like liars why would he write because i i know this because i had an ex who wrote a short story after our breakup and because we you know socially met and blah blah, blah and he's like i wrote a story about you and you were a bitch in it and when i read the story and it was terrible it was terrible to say the least terrible like literary wise haha sorry and at the same time the portrayal of me was also terrible but at the same time now that i'm away from it i was like this was me in his narrative so i don't know sorry but at the same time it's still wild like you would imagine what your place is in the story or in the narrative of others or you are not the same person but you're a different person like maybe i would have made the story about this abusive alcoholic from a viewpoint of let's say a neighbor who this person was kind to at a time so he would show an emotional side which would make you feel like oh but he had a good side too or i would have been the person abused by him so i would make him as the monster he really was so it is all about i think the place in the story or in the narrative context wise and character wise you brought up Dahmer, the series, the Netflix series, which I haven't seen, and I, I'm not really interested in seeing it. You're right. But I know the exact argument that you're making, which was that um, when the mo- when the movie when the show came out, a lot of the um, families of the victims came forward. were like, yeah, they didn't ask us. They, you know, they didn't. We weren't involved in making all of this, and that's why it has like an unhappy sort of feeling to it. And I again, I didn't see the show, but one of the other complaints that I saw, and this was also a complaint that they made about the Ted Bundy movie with Zac Efron, yeah, was that they used these conventionally attractive guys, you know, nice guys, Evan Peters, Zac um, Efron, to play these terrible people. So it brings a lot of charisma, and it brings a lot of um, like a naturally good personality to these terrible characters, which um, lends a little bit of sympathy, which, you know, on the one hand, you can make the argument that, yeah, you know, Dahmer and Bundy were people too. It's like, yeah, sure, sure. They were human beings, but the point is that they did awful, awful, awful things. And we shouldn't be trying to make any way to at all juxtapose or excuse that, you know, we should be, I mean, it's not to say that Zac Efron and Evan Peters are bad actors or that they shouldn't have been given the roles. It's just, it was a deliberate choice. I think the Illuminati, who's a blogger, um, a YouTuber I like to watch, I think she brings up the point that it's a deliberate choice to have attractive um, young actors play these deplorable roles. I know, I can feel it too. Because sometimes I feel like they're glamorizing it in a way, and I don't know. Yes. I watch this stuff just to hate on it, honestly. But for me, the idea of glamorizing a serial killer is the least thing that we need right now. Like, even yeah. fetishizing, you know, the idea and the hunt and, and the way he, he is just taking these people and terrorizing them. I, I feel like we've had enough of that crap, if you ask me. I feel like someone could have told that story through the use of the victims. Like, I don't... I don't know how many, vic- I can't remember exactly how many victims like Ted Bundy or um, Dahmer had, but, you know, if I were making a, a, a TV show, say, about a serial killer who had 10 victims, I would make a 10-episode show, each one about the life of a victim. I know what you mean. Yeah. I would yeah, have made a been, fictional, yeah. I, I really, I was obsessed at the time by making a show about, you know, like a kidnapping victim aftermath like i always feel like okay we just get the you show us all the crap you show us all the hurt you show us all the pain and you show us how sadistic the other person is and just you know like it puts it in a very position of power where you're just frustrated at this person who's usually male 
but I really don't care about watching that anymore. What I want to see is someone living after that, surviving it and living, and how this affects him and how they yeah. go through different curves of you know ups and downs and like dark moments and what makes them hold on to life. So for me, I'm just waiting for this to be made, obviously, and I just can't wait to see it. But I can't. But watching another serial killer like the fictionalized life, and I think people have veristic you know, like curiosity to just watch what this person made because it's something that is foreign to a lot of us. And because people, I think lives are boring. So we just want to watch something that is so exotic that would make us feel safe too in our seats and stuff. So yeah, for me, I'm, I'm done with this. What I want to see is something else, something told from a viewpoint of someone who had been at the age of danger or at the forest end and then came back. Did you see the documentary series on Netflix called Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey? No. What is this? Tell me. It's really good. Um, I, I don't know exactly where, which countries. It's, it's definitely available in the United States. Yeah. But it follows women who, um, and, and men, who escaped from, holy crap, this guy's name, the um, Warren Jeffs and the FLDS polygamist, um, super polygamist cult. And it follows people who are able to get out and it's told through their stories. The people who, former members, people who ran away, people who eventually just decided enough was enough, you know. Um, So they tell the story through their experiences. And so it's really well done. It's told through their lens. And it's just, it's an insane, crazy story of just, again, like unchecked male power just dominating over these people. I have to watch it. Thank you for telling me. This is amazing it's really recommendation. Good. It's it's interesting because it takes it takes place reasonably modern. I mean, um, obviously some of the footage is from from older times, but I think it was made in like twenty 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 one or something like that. Okay. And it's interesting to see some of the behaviors and patterns and the things that were being drilled into these young women there are just so archaic by our current standards. Yeah. And yet just routine matter of fact of course you're not supposed to speak when there's men speaking why would you do that you're a woman be quiet yeah Silence. and you shouldn't act like that because they would See? find you you look you're acting manly you're unattractive yeah. to men and stuff like that exactly seen and not heard yeah and just you know maybe you're too stubborn maybe you're too hard you know, maybe you're too opinionated. Yeah, this is the thing. So for me, I mean, because I've been in relationships like that, where have, mm-hmm. I kind of like downgraded myself for the man. I made myself stupid for the man. I became more vulnerable for the man. Now, maybe I'm having this overt, ex- aggressive attitude where I'm like, okay, no bullshit. This is just me. You take it or leave it, baby. So kind of like, yeah, so probably why I'm staying single and happy for the moment. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I was talking to my mom about this the other day because I was just thinking of the narrative that was presented to me, especially when I was in high school and college. Yeah. Um, And I was in high school and I was in college, especially during the time of the, the peak 
of America's Next Top Model, during oh. these plastic surgery reality TV shows, during dating competitive reality shows. Oh. So what was being presented to us was you need plastic surgery. You need to be in a relationship. You need to be beautiful and thin. Otherwise you are not valuable. And if you're not beautiful, you won't be in a relationship. And if you're not in a relationship, then you, there's something wrong with you. Obviously yeah. you're ugly. You should fix yourself. And it was, there was this round Robin of horrible messaging for every direction. This was movies. This was, you remember all those rom-coms in the 2000s? Yeah. She's the man. She's all that. Uh, what are the other ones with a bunch of makeovers? 10 things I hate about you. Like all these yeah. things I can't remember the name of. And he's the one and who was... tamed her. Like I loved yeah. her before he fucking tamed her. You know what I mean? Like, wow, yeah. you made her boring. Yeah, I know what but, you mean. It was terrible. Yeah, so the whole point of the media around that time, especially when I was growing up, was like, this is what you need. You need to look like this so you can get a man. It was all about... It was all about getting the man at the end, you know, like it was the prize. It was there at the top of the mountain. So you had to do whatever it takes to just get to the peak. Exactly. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And it's still this narrative still sticks around, unfortunately, now, because now I'm viewed like as a black sheep because all my younger cousins, for example, are getting engaged. And they're all like, oh, and they're talking to me about, like, you know, like biological clock and about, you know, like womanhood, about losing your fertility and stuff like that. So I can see it's a very toxic narrative to live by. But I think you just have to take the hard way and, I don't know, pick something. I hope my dad's voice didn't <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I actually think it adds flavor. I think it, <laughs> I keep everything. In the flavorish kind of guy. Okay. Let's oh my gosh! I keep everything. There was an episode where I fully muted a guest in the middle of his answer because I thought I was muting myself, and then I just swore <laughs> so loudly that I capped my audio. Like it's this very pleasant British man answering a question, and all of a sudden you hear "fuck." And it's just like, that's not what's supposed to happen. <laughs> but it, um, it's, it's real life. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. This is a terrible narrative that we all went through. But I feel like, I don't know, we ju you just take the, the hard route. You take it the hard way by trying to deviate from it. So what did you do? How did you, what did you do to cope? Honestly, I think it, I, I hate my answer because my answer is I was born the way that I am. Like, I am neurodivergent. I am also under the asexual umbrella somewhere. I'm, demisexual is a technical, technical term, but like, I, I never got distracted by them simply because wow. they were not, I was not born with those interests in that way. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, look at me. I'm so special or anything. It's just like, it just completely missed me. And in one way, it's yeah. good. It's like, cool. I wasn't ever distracted by like boys or blah, blah, blah. But on yeah. the other hand, it means that an experience that I'd say 99% of people go through, yeah. uh, I did not. I and totally it's really hard. It's funny because I, I talk to people all the time where I'm like, for this, this might sound like it's unrelated, but I, I don't need a sexual partner. I know a lot of people who are very sexually motivated, even if they're not yeah. in relationships, they want to have that. And I understand that. That is, I, I get it, but I don't get it. That's not me. Yeah, I could yeah. gladly go and I gladly went for years, decades alone and that just was fine with me and I, I run into people who will say things like oh my gosh I wish I was more like you it would be yeah. so much easier and it's like compared to your current situation which is that you are going without and you're mad about it yes yeah. it would be easier than that however it is not easier because it literally means that you're so far outside of the common experience that it's just like I totally know what you mean yeah it might be nice to know what the room was talking about <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. 
Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's always, I don't know, it's always, I hate it so much when someone just says, you know, like, man, I wish I could be like, because I don't know, like, do you, do you want to be like me? I don't know. Yeah. Like, for me, it's like, okay, like, I've had a lot of people who are like, wow, I'm so happy you will shelter from this experience, from that experience. I wish I would, but you didn't know also what was the price, what was the cost, what was the situation itself. So for me, I don't know. I just I try not to wish being in other people's shoes or them wishing on me. So, yeah. If I do that, I try to make it about something specific. Like, if yeah. what I mean, like, if I'm like, oh, I wish that I could dance like you can. Like, I yeah, try not exactly. to, I wish I could be you because that's not what I mean to say. What I really yeah. mean to say is, I wish I could do this thing or be that way like you. I try to be specific because you're right. It makes me uncomfortable. I've had people say, I wish I could be more like you. I'm like, oh, do you? I know. It's It just, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me at least. You know, like, really? You want to be? Good. Come here. Like, you, should be your own, you should always be your own person. And I, and I know this starts getting into, like, love yourself, preachy, preachy. But, like, what I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that, like May's father says in Turning Red, people have all kinds of sides to them. And some of them are messy. And, you know, you never have to dedicate yourself to being just one thing or one aspect of yourself. Like, you, you should be free to... Wow you got me into this awesome situation where I got so frustrated. Like I was with this friend, she had an overeating problem. Okay. An eating disorder. And I had a, a time where I got so depressed. I kind of like didn't eat and that affected my health like drastically. And she saw me, she's like, Oh my God, you, you lost a lot of weight. And I was like, yeah, I was depressed after that breakup with this guy and I didn't mm -hmm. eat for like months. So she's like, man, you're so lucky. And I'm like, honey, I'm not lucky. My blood sugar level went That's to an extremely low. And this is the thing. Yeah, like it went to an extremely low that I had to be transferred somewhere else. And I got a lot of problems, a lot of shit and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, just to think of it, like I know your pain. I know what you're going through, but I'm not lucky by any means. And it wasn't a good time. Yes, I look slimmer by terms, mm -hmm. but deep down, I'm kind of like screwed. You know what I mean? So... I totally understand. I, I hate. I just hate it when people do this. I'm sorry. I can't. No, I had the exact same thing happen to me. So I used to live in an apartment complex. So you know, you see, you, even if you don't know your neighbors, you just see them because yeah, you live in the same flipping building. Like, Hello. No way yeah. around it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I I started taking two, two things happened. One, I had a horrible breakup, and two, I started taking um, medication for my ADHD, which is yeah. stimulants. Yeah. So I dropped fifty pounds, see. which is a lot, Definitely. and I knew it too. And people would in the in the um, apartment building would start stopping me and being like, "What's your secret?" And I just started answering them honestly. I was like, I started taking mental health medication and I went through a horrible breakup, and they just stared at me like I was crazy. But like, you asked a pretty invasive question, there, friend. This is the thing. I always go for the truth, and people just don't like it, or they just feel like, "Oh, but it's not that bad," you know? Like, okay, whatever you say. Very human tendency to try to silver line things. I, I personally think it's a defense mechanism. Like someone says something that makes you uncomfortable, and and you, your instinct is to be like, "Oh no, they're sad. Make them feel better." Like my leg is hurting, and your first instinct is to be like, "Oh no, I wanted to. How how do I make it? Uh, yeah. How bad is it? It's not that bad, is it? Oh, yeah. I don't know what to do." And it's like you don't want to be mad at people because you can tell they're they're trying to make exactly. you feel better, but it's like you're kind of making me feel worse. And I, <laughs> this is the uh, thing you can't just let it go away. So just you know be there. I, this is why I kind of like 
I try to be even more mature in the way I give support to others and in the way I accept the support because I like it when a lot of people just say they want to comfort you and they're like, I have no idea what it feels like to be you. I totally don't know how you're feeling, but I'm there for you, but I'm sending positivity and love and whatever. This is just, it gives me a blanket, you know, like someone is acknowledging that your struggle is just different and harder or whatever, but at the same time, they're sending you positivity in a way or light or whatever they just want to send. There's a bit by Brene Brown um, that's been animated and put on YouTube that I really, really love about sympathy versus empathy. And it kind of explains the difference between, you know, if you're having, or if you have a, you know, someone's having a hard time, the difference between someone who, you know, does a silver lining thing or tries to fix it or whatever, they're not acknowledging the fact that you're currently in pain. And then they acknowledge that sometimes it's not even about fixing the problem. It's about acknowledging the discomfort and that all you need is someone who's willing to kind of sit there with you a little bit. And, you know, even if the intention is good, even if the intention is like, Hey, I'm really just trying to make you feel better. Uh, here, let's go for chocolate. Let's go to see a movie, all these things. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And even if it's coming out of a good place, sometimes all you need is for someone to be like, Hey, I know that things are really hard right now. And, you know, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I'm here for you and I, I want to help you. So just let me know how I can do that. Yeah, definitely. Wow. This is so good. So powerful. (laughs) I can't claim this all for myself. I did several years of volunteer work with, um, a suicide prevention hotline and chat line for queer youth here in the States. And a major part of our, our initial training was genuinely understanding that difference between empathy and sympathy. So that when someone comes to you with a problem, a very serious problem, they're calling in or typing into a hotline. They don't want someone who's going to say, well, at least you're only hurting yourself and you're not actually trying to kill yourself like that. No, Definitely. that's the wrong response. And even if that's coming from your friends who are like, well, at least we're not there yet. It, yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not. The it even makes it worse. It's, exactly. Because I've been there, you know, like, because I think I've been like talking to someone like um, about the dark times, the depression times when I was like borderline on suicide. And I think I remember she just commented on how pretty I looked and like, it doesn't show. And I was like, man, you should have seen my photos during that time. Honestly, she even saw me. She even saw me like I was looking worse than when I if she had seen my pictures during that dark, depressive, borderline suicide phase, she would have said I was stunning. I was at my peak that time. I was taking care of myself like you have no idea. My hair was always great. All the So what are you talking about, babe? What are you talking about? Love like have do you even know what depressed people, deeply depressed people, borderline suicide look like? They look, they look like you and I. Like, how does it show? Should I go this? Should I go create? Like, what did you expect right. me to look like after going through a very dark time in my life? So, so you look great. It doesn't show. I mean, Thanks, mate. Not, to go back to the Titanic for a second. Like, up until we see her sprinting to the end of the boat, Rose looks beautiful, put together, Quite. stunning. She looks like she's in charge of herself, even when people are taking charge. She gives Cal sassy little grins. Yes. Smokes at the table. She's rolling her. Does, she does not look. If I were a servant, if I were a maid who who was just in the first class and let God, you know, let's just say she had jumped and they yeah. came to take my statement, they'd be like, "Hey, did you notice anything?" Be like, "No." 
Never. Nothing. Wow. At all. The only thing anyone would have noticed was when she was sprinting down the hallway. That's when they had their chance to notice something was wrong. But it's like up until that point, up until that point, there was no sign that she was ready to fling herself into some propellers. And look at what her narration was when you got inside her mind like i was standing at the edge of the precipice she was boiling inside and she kept her composure and acted like a good girl like she was raised like a lady and she was even giving you know exactly what you said the sassy remarks like oh the titanic it's not that big you know so she's even acting the part to a t and at the same time this woman was was on the verge of a nervous breakdown already so hello so for me i mean i find these comments sometimes insulting and sometimes hilarious but they help me with my you know like cynical side like oh yeah really you like me now you think i it doesn't show you should have seen me when it was bad it never showed baby it's it is really hard i also i've talked about it on the show i have my own mental illnesses um it's 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 funny depending on who i talk to the diagnosis is different and that's not that's not meant to be um dismissive it's meant to be like mental health exists kind of on a spectrum and you know Definitely. there's all sorts of things and in the way yeah. that it is on a spectrum there's going to be days when you're great days when you think you own the world like something bad happens to you you're like who cares like this is below me yeah this job, is the no boss problem. right yeah like, this is ten, the boss fiance broke up with me took the kids and the dog whatever that was an ugly dog anyway there's some days when you're just like <laughs> You, sorry, <laughs> running it? <laughs> Lovely, I love this one. <laughs> right, but there's some days when you're like that. Yeah. When you've got it all together, and then you yeah. can wake up the next day, and all you want is that dog back. You hate yourself. The dress you thought you looked great in, how did... No, you didn't. You saw a photo of yourself, and all of a sudden, my stomach looked terrible. I wasn't smiling. I was scowling all day. I hate every... I don't want to do this anymore. I can't... And it, it, and it is such a diametric opposition that's it can be difficult for people to understand who have never experienced it. And for those who have never experienced it, I pray that you and hope that you never do, because, you know, that's not meant to be sarcastic. Like, it sucks. I really hope it never yeah. happens to you. I it just exactly. I hope not. Seriously, no, never. Oh, my God. I wouldn't wish it for for even my worst. And because, you know, the no. things I've been with, it's as if I was on the Titanic when it was like <laughs> flipping. There were times when I would be like on the top. And then straight to the bottom and then backwards. Yeah. Like, this phone just needs to be silent. <laughs> I'm trying to tell anyone of my family to just silence the phone, but nobody even cares. They're like, yeah, just let it ring. Yeah. Let it ruin your podcast experience. I want to kill everyone. I don't think I've had the volume up on my phone for like five years. Me too, but my personal phone. But you know, like the the family phone is like that, 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 and you feel like, wow, home phones are dead, baby. There's no landline anymore. We don't. Need, I don't think we don't have a family phone. We don't have. I think I okay. In my parents' house, there is one landline, and guess what gets ignored every day. It is ignored, of course, until you know one of my parents is like, "Won't anybody just answer the phone?" You guys answer it and. Kiss you goodbye. <laughs> you guys I, are good. I'm a little addicted to my cell phone, but I'm better than I used to be. Now, if I like misplace it or lose it, I'm not like ah! I can handle myself for a couple of seconds. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so, okay, like the ultimate question is: 
are you okay. a rose or a jack like because Personal? for me my sister yeah like for me my sister was obsessed with rose like every single girl i knew at the time we were all obsessed with jack you know my sister liked jack okay but she felt like rose is good and she would just buy you know like they had all these amazing promotional photos sold back then and you know like stickers and stuff and my sister would insist on getting you know and back then i was like the teenager who had a major crush on leo DiCaprio, and i would be like yeah and i feel competitive with the rose and i tell her like just keep the photos away and she's like no she's great you're gonna love her she's a great female character and over time i began to really really appreciate rose for what she is so yeah. what about you back then when titan first came out what were you whose side were you I really, on i really liked rose I wow. like that she... she would love you. Well, so I am and always have been. I could ask my, could drag my mother in here and ask her. Um, like, was I a sassy, talky, difficult to deal with child? Yes, would have been the answer. So, because I, yeah. I, I resonated with you know the person who speaks out at lunch and doesn't want to do what they're told and is like, nope, get away. I don't want to be touched right now. Leave me alone. I, nope. I want to stand out here on my balcony and look broody without you. Leave me. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I liked that. And then I also liked that when she met Jack, cause again, like I said, I found out later that I'm on the, you know, demisexual side of things. Definitely. But I like uh -huh. that their relationship didn't immediately start out being super affectionate and gross and weird and that he was nice to her. Yeah, exactly. In a real way. Definitely. He is. He was. Yeah. Like for me, I think it we saw a lot of things from Rose's point of view, but I think if we would have seen it from Jack's point of view, we would have seen her as this, you know, like big figure. Like he, he looked up to her, like she was something to him, not just because she was rich, I think because he, he valued her so much. And it could, it could tell. I mean, like, wow, I loved it. Yeah. He could tell that she was, you know smart and that she had her own opinions and that she had interests that were outside of people normally in her societal class she wanted to see the world not just yeah. tour it definitely definitely and she was such an interesting character she was like she had fire which she saw in her when she was down with him down you know like dancing and stuff like that in third class which is why i think there's this particular scene that I love prior to the I'm flying scene where he just tells her that they are going to trap you and this fire inside you that I see in your eyes, it's going to burn out. And I love this scene even more than more of the grander scene because I feel like it's so, it's such a, such a speech when you say it to someone, because I think I've, I've had people like tell me certain things like that. And I would have said it to a friend too. Like, I don't want them to, to take this away from you. And you see like, them going through a relationship that you don't like or just being forced by family or, or whatever so to conform or whatever so yeah i just i like that too has it ever worked for you like if because i've said this to friends and i know people have said it to me and i i'm asking genuinely not like has that ever worked for you but like, have you have you managed to ever have a conversation with somebody genuinely seriously or or somebody with you yeah where they've expressed to you that or you to them that they're you know you're with someone or you're doing a job or whatever it is you're doing something that is fundamentally taking away a part of who you are and i'm worried about you yeah my sister you know i was in this terrible relationship where i would just every guy i loved would just be mean to me and just you know like treat me badly so i would go to 
a person who would just instill themselves in your life as you know like a supportive friend i don't want anything from you i'm just there for you but you yeah. can feel them poisoning your life slowly so you would just be vulnerable and just hate yourself so you're just okay let's just date or be boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever and my sister once kind of like confronted me like okay i'm gonna see this phone just a minute take this time to check my own phone oh my god <laughs> did you hear my sound? did i sound when i'm talking in arabic i feel like it's out there did you hear thank no, god oh. i heard because i, I heard like <laughs> and then more wrestling okay awesome so wrestling is over now the wrestling is over okay awesome okay so she just told me like please take the phone please take the phone from here i don't want to hear it okay because uh for me <laughs> i just want i'm gonna break this phone <laughs> i think i'm gonna look like a crazy woman this episode and i love it so much so for me a crazy woman in every episode so you're good <laughs> i told the lincoln park story a few weeks ago like uh people are losing their respect for me fast <laughs> So for me, yeah. So just this person, he was, everybody could see that he was bad for me and everybody would see that the relationship was just dragging me down. But I was just, you know, like uh, moving on and just pushing through it and I'm going to make it work and I'm going to make it work. So my sister once confronted me and she gave me, you know, like the talk. She's like, you're being a hypocrite. Like a lot of girls we used to talk about before or complain about before. Like you're being a hypocrite. Why are you doing this to yourself? You don't even love him. You don't even feel for him, you know? So, right. like, why are you doing why? this? Why do you keep doing it? So, yeah, she... But I didn't break up with him, of course, at the time. And it even ended at the time. But her words stuck to my head that when it ended, ugly, really, I just... I kind of told her, like, I know the place that you were talking from. Yes, I didn't take action because it had to come from me. It had to be genuine. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just felt like um, I can still remember this talk. I can still remember your concern. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it was, you know, like um, I seriously remember this situation because it was it was something, I don't know, I, I hate it when you just put yourself through something that feels so unlike you and you keep dragging yourself through it dragging yourself through it so when she just said that and she just told me like this is not you you're being like all the girls you used to just talk about before and just you know like um complain about or just say stuff about so why why are you doing this i don't feel and we were just getting so serious also almost thinking about engagement so i think this is why she was scared she was like are you sure you want to take this to the next step this is why i think she intervened so, yeah, I'm still grateful for this talk to the day. You go, sister. <laughs> I, that's that's a, such a good story, though. And I, the reason it seems like it worked, too, is because it sounds like you kind of were open to hearing that from her. Yeah, yeah, I am. Well, I am definitely open to hearing stuff but just from people i trust back in the day i think the noise was too much like i would let anybody just talk to me because i i would talk to a lot of people even people i wasn't interested in knowing right, on a right. deeper level but now i think people that i really trust i would just talk to them like really introspectively and just listen to what they have to say and then maybe put it in 
context or see where that takes me. So yeah, I'm, I think I'm always open to listening to stuff from her and from my mother too. Like they're the closest people to me. Yeah. From the people that actually matter because yeah, like you said in that scene that you said you really like the reason that eventually Jack's words work on Rose is because she was already getting there herself. She was already, she saw an, a way out with him. She saw, you know, here's this guy who's saying, oh, that silly dream you have of going to ride a wooden roller coaster is like, I'll take you. Let's go yeah. do something. And, you know, if she'd told, you know, anyone else in her life, they probably would have been like, don't be upset. Why would you go to roller coaster? This, they, imagine her understand. mother. Right. Like, <laughs> I hate her mother so much. Yeah. And I'm betting you if she just told Cal, like, I want to go to Coney Island. Take me to Coney Island. He'd probably do it, but be like, I don't understand why we're here. Just exactly, and just complain he, about the dirt and stuff, and the right. weather and people, exactly. yeah. But, you know, she talks to this guy who hears her dream and not only says it's not a silly dream, but it's a thing that can happen for real. So she starts imagining her life, and then she goes and dances with him, and it seems, it's, it's like she saw a look through a window to what it was. And I what think life that, that when he, her borders. Yeah, yeah, and then he has this talk with her that's like, all those things I like about you, if you if you walk away from that window, it's going to go away. And she decided to go ahead and, and, and step out. And by the way, that's kind of true, because this is what happened to me later on. I was in a, in a relationship where I was gaslit for three years Jeez. with a partner who constantly, you know, like, I think they took away from me every single thing that I loved. So my character wasn't even like, like, if you had to talk to me during this time you would have seen someone else you know a, a woman who is so concerned with being listened to as a, a good woman or you know like an acceptable you know like docile calm blah 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 whatever so for me i think every single thing that i did was ridiculed or just you know like every single accomplishment was like but is it enough so i kind of like gave up everything that i loved and stung or clung to everything that I hated, you know, like a formal job, this stable relationship, stable friendships, uh, kind of like aesthetics about women that I hated so much. So, yeah, she, would she, had she taken the Cal road, she would have been another version of her mother. And that mm -hmm. I think to Jack, even if he didn't end up with her at the end, it would have broken his heart to just see her turn to, into this woman who is not true to herself. So, yeah. At the end of the day, what what I like about their relationship is that at the, at, at the end, not just the end, but like when they're really getting to know each other, it's about authenticity. Like outside of the like, he didn't tell her that he'd stolen the coat, for example, but that that's more of a lie of omission where he didn't bring it up. But it's the sort <laughs> of thing where he's not, he doesn't lie and be like, I have money. He's like, I have nothing. This is yeah. my life. And she doesn't lie to him. She's like, I'm engaged. This is my life. Yeah, exactly. It I know nothing the about the world. Age. Yeah, but yeah. okay, let me ask you this question because I ask it to everybody. Yeah. If the ship didn't, the ship didn't sink, and they ended up together, do you think they would have survived? I think they would have had divorce. I think he would beat her. Like I think this fantasy would just—I don't know. This is me. She would have been daring and brave, and she would have gone to do adventures and stuff because this relationship would make her the strong woman she was but i don't think they would survive i think what they had also was just fueled by the beautiful fancy of being stuck on this ship but had they set foot yeah they would have done all the great things they said they were doing but i don't think they would survive
you know? I disagree, and I think it's because they are dissimilar enough to keep each other on track. They yeah, don't agree awesome. on everything. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be one of those things where he's just her yes man or she's just his yes man and they're constantly getting into problems because no one can say no. Yeah. I think they have that healthy communication where if he's like, let's do a thing, she could be like, I don't want to do that or like, we can't do that. But wow. on the other hand, I think that they're both open-minded enough where if he came up with an idea and if it were feasible, she'd be like, yeah, let's go do it. So I think they do it. I think they have the communication to be successful. Good. If they do have problems, they could talk them through. I also think that they're both really young, 17 and 20. I'm yeah. thinking in five years, it'll be 25 and 22. And, you know, women mature pretty quickly. Definitely. Than and like, by the time they're both in their 20s, they could also, he could be a little less he 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 about things. He might have <laughs> yeah. become more serious. They might have a plan or by then, you know, because she eventually does get married. Definitely. And has children. So she wanted some quote unquote traditional things of life. I think they could have made it work. And I think it's because they started on an extremely unusually honest basis. Yeah. Wow. So there was I like... really no secrets to hide. And I, a lot of breakdowns in relationships come from miscommunication and they That's have that. True. That's true. That's true. Also, wow, they trauma like bonded the like hell over if the, he survived surviving a sinking Titanic. So there are two, two reasons. It may have been a slightly codependent relationship. Yeah. Because think... it literally would have been a, no one understands this experience Definitely. of my life. Yeah, so this is my course. opinion. I think they would have made it. I actually think they would have wow. had a good and healthy life, but I don't think it would have been without difficulties. I think there would have been hardships and major like the depression and the war and everything coming up. There would have been a lot to traverse. But they will stick together. It. it will make them... T- wow, I love this angle so, so much. <laughs> this is me. This is from me. A normal, normal pessimist. I'm being uncharacteristically optimistic. It feels weird. I'm a pessimist, which is why I thought, wow, maybe maybe Alexia is an optimist that I didn't know. <laughs> okay, maybe no, she can I'm get not. it. I, wow. I'm trying okay. to be realistic. Yeah. Because I also, I am aware of the power of going through an, like, an insane experience like that together. There is a wow. lot, a lot that can happen. I mean, on the other hand, it could have split them up. But again, I think because they have that base of communication and now that she's chosen to leave without her family, there is a little codependency. She, she kind of needs a little help navigating. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he might, yeah, and he might need a little bit of her her charm and her know-how. She's, you know, she's a charming woman. So I think they would have made exactly. it work. But, you know, who knows? There, there was also so many other things that happened in the world that anything could have, a lot of stuff could have happened. <laughs> Broken it apart, I know what you mean, yeah. So what do you think of Revolutionary Road? Do you think it's like a reminiscent it? Or a way because I felt like it wasn't just you know Kate and Leo uniting after years. For me, I felt like they were still having this Titanic cloud over them while they were making this movie. This is what I felt. I don't. I've never actually looked into this. I don't at know. All. I because for me, I it felt it. weird. It felt like yeah. You have never seen Revolutionary Road? Are you serious, man? You I just googled watch. it. This you is the have first thing to I've watch ever- it. Please. I'm reading from an article on republicworld.com. It says, after winning the hearts of many fans, the iconic romantic movie Titanic, lead actors Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet came together for another film titled Revolutionary Road. More than a decade later, the film was an adaptation of Richard Yates' novel of the same name. The movie was nominated for numerous awards. What? What is this? Please, yes. (laughs) I'm begging you. You This is very (laughs) funny. Oh, is this this like weird... Or is this a thing, something else I'm talking about where it turns out he like accidentally survived the war or something? 
I think it's I don't know. It's just a it's a weird movie. It's a it's like I just felt it. It felt like a twenty years later or something. So I don't know. I just I have to have your take on that one. You have to just watch it and tell me because I felt so for me like it wasn't totally detached from their past, both as Kate and Leo and both as you know like Jack and Rose. For me, this is what it felt like watching it. Yeah, it says like here shit. that I mean, it's supposed to be a completely separate film and it's a separate story, but it says that there's a lot definitely. Of- and I even Terrible. read the novel because I was so obs- obsessed with it. But what it felt for me, what the vibe that I got from is just, I don't know. I felt like the Titanic cloud kind of haunted the set or whatever. It's interesting because I think if they had been in a different romantic film together that wasn't centered around that plot, it wouldn't have drawn the parallels. Like, if, for example, if they had been the leads in like, why can't I think of a single romance film over the past 10 freaking years now? Like, if they'd been the leads, oh, they're too old for it. But if they'd been in something like Pitch Perfect something with no relation to the titanic plot a totally separate plot it would have been easier and if they played obviously separate characters that had like you know if instead of being another unhappy woman in an arranged relation arranged marriage i just read contemplating suicide if she was like plucky owner of a small like oh my gosh if they had put them both in a hallmark christmas film it would have been really different different like totally. if she was you know yeah she's the high-powered woman goes home to small town and meets lumberjack like that yeah. they wouldn't have drawn the parallels because they would have been totally like he would have been like well howdy ma'am and she would have been like yeah. you are not businessy enough for me sir <laughs> it would have been a different movie but i think based on Definitely. what you're telling me it's like this is supposed to be a separate movie that's the plot of titanic without the ship Definitely, this is for this Excellent. is what it totally felt for me. I loved it. I loved it for that reason. But I felt like, wow, you guys are you guys are haunted. You guys are haunted by this ship. Even in that movie, they're separate. Definitely. Well, it would I mean, be like power. if we brought back Ron Harry and Hermione's actors. You know, um, Rupert Grint, Daniel. Oh my God, I forget his last name. Radcliffe and Radcliffe? Emma Watson. Yeah. yeah. If we brought them back as the new Charlie's Angels. You would feel that, wow, the Harry Potter is just haunting you guys, yep. whatever you're doing. They're doing something. Exa- it would be, it, I think it's the same thing where it's like, you can never play a couple without being compared to that. Like, the three of them can never be a trio. It's so hard, yeah. Compared. It's there in kind of like your psyche in, in pop culture forever cemented. And this is what I feel like with Austin Butler, too. Like, he will always be this Elvis. You know, like, even when he does more roles, I feel like he will be haunted by Elvis character forever yeah i hear it's good it is it is depending on how you see it so also i'm gonna have to hear what you have to say on it too because i really loved it but probably because i really loved him in the role i was gonna say i'm not a big elvis person so that's why i haven't quite gotten on on it and but it's one of those things where i'm like oh yeah i keep meaning to watch that I know what you mean, but it's good for him because of him. It, it works because of him, honestly, because he is so charming. He has yeah. this haunted quality about him too, which reminds you of this era of actors like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise and Leo and young Johnny Depp and stuff. It, it kind of like diminished this Hollywood star power. It kind of diminished over the years. So to see it again in action and from a different age now, like now in my thirties, and these guys were there when I was in my teens. So woohoo! So. I don't know. It felt good. Oh, yeah, no. I it, it, I it, I want to watch. I just haven't seen it. But I do like, um, speaking of like musician biopics, did you see the movie Rocketman about Elton John? Elton John? No, I haven't seen it. Is it good? It's really good. I liked it a lot. And um, yeah. Taron Egerton is very good as young Elton. I have to watch it. 
Wow. It's I have to watch it. I like the way it was shot because it was it, it it's 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 a it's done like a musical, but it has some elements of like stage production to it. So it's very I love. Yeah. Wow, I've got to watch it. Good recommendation. Yeah. It's a really good one. I it's, it's a few years old now, but I think it's on a couple streaming things. I liked it. Yeah, I can always find it. <laughs> awesome. I'll have to watch it. For sure. Uh, well, I don't. We're getting to the end of my time with you, but was there anything else that you wanted to ask or say? Or it's just that I really love that after all these years, I can talk about this movie and still talk about it in a fresh way. I feel this is what mm-hmm. real art is, regardless of whatever, whatever you see it on the spectrum of things. Because if something gets stale and you can't even talk about it, and it's redundant and whatever, but if something just ignites a certain fire of you and gives you inspiration in different ways i think it works this is art yeah so i'm just glad i i am too and it's amazing to see the rest of the um people with who with an interest in titanic start making not just podcasts but all the incredible art and reading the books and seeing the projects people make it's really it's really neat to see a passion continue to be ignited whether it's from the film or not definitely definitely Oh, are you planning on seeing, um, I don't know where you are, but um, are you planning on seeing the movie when they do the re-release in theaters in February? I hope so. I hope they release it here. If they do, of course I will. Do do you think they may not? I have no idea what film rights are like. I don't know if this happens. They might or might not. But if if I go, I'll just give you a short video and I'll like give a shout out to you know my favorite girl Titanic Talk Line look where I am right now <laughs> I hope they bring it there because again I mean I it's a 25 so. year old movie but it's it's a it's like when they bring back old classics to the theaters there is such a different experience on the screen definitely and you're a different person and I want to know how I'm gonna see it am I gonna see it with a fresh eye and a fresh heart or just feel like man I'm old shit so I'm just waiting <laughs> I bet you that anything, my experience is going to be movie theater seats are so uncomfortable. Oh, yes. yes. That's going to be my complaint. It's like, how'd you like the movie? I'm like, well, my butt hurt. Like, I don't know. It's not my couch at home. <laughs> this is awesome. Maybe I'll sleep. I'm afraid now that if I go to a movie theater and it's so warm and dark, I'll just sleep because I'm so tired. Man, it's different from in the past when I would be like, oh, man, I'm in the movie theater. Ooh, look at me. Look at the popcorn. Look at the people. God, I haven't been to a movie theater since 2019. I haven't been to since a long time, too. I think, like, yeah, I, I don't think I've been since COVID. No. I just don't, I don't want to wear a mask for an entire movie. That seems awful. Yeah, I went to a music concert, and it was depressing. And I had to wear there the face mask are. all the time. It would be like, ugh. I love the music, but it was just not good for me. Yeah, I, I went to um, see a live podcast and I wore my mask the whole time. Not everyone did, but it was kind of like I just spent a lot of my time fiddling with it because I was like, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to wear this anymore. Yeah, I hate I don't it. Like it. I know. I know, it's, I know. Everyone get vaccinated so that we can stop doing this stuff. Let's go. Hopefully. Figure hopefully. <laughs> figure it out. I'm over it. <laughs> Well, Jalen, thank you so much for coming on for letting me interrupt your phone calls. <laughs> thank you. My phone calls are very appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to be considerate. <laughs> thank you. It feels so much fun, honestly. I think this is going to be a crazy episode and I can't wait to hear it, honestly. It's going to be amazing.
amazing. People are going to love it. <laughs> okay, awesome. Cool. It's good. <laughs> Jalen, thank you so much for coming on the show, giving your time and talking to me. And if you guys want to talk to her more, you should follow her on Twitter. That is at Jalen Salman, um, which is different than the spelling of her name. That is J-A-Y-L-A-N-S-A-L-M-A-N. And you can also find her on thepros.com slash Jalensala. And that is J-A-Y-L-A-N-S-A-L-A-H. And as always, follow the show on everything, and I will see you next time. Bye. Titanic Talkline was created and produced by me, Alexia. Be sure to keep up with the show on all the social medias at Titanic Talkline on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is all one word, Titanic Talkline, T-I-T-A-N-I-C-T-A-L-K-L-I-N-E. If you want to get in touch, be on the show, sponsor the show, or have a question or anything you want to tell me, send me an email at Titanic Talkline, again, all one word, at gmail.com. That's Titanic Talkline at gmail.com. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye!